this movement in country. And one of my friends who has a very good sense of humor, he told me, I'm going to waste your time to talk about Iranian anti-Semitism on the internet for half an hour. I just need to show you a photo of Iranian president in front of computer sending an email. And it explains everything. But unfortunately, it's much more complicated than that. And by looking at the blogs, anti-Semitic blogs, we can find out a little bit more about this forest. First, look at why internet is important in Iran. Well, Iran has about 70 million population. At least 18 million of them are connected to internet. According to official statistics, it's about 23 million. And it's a lot. There, are, there is a lot of filtering, but internet movement goes on and people find different ways to get information into sites and pass information and organize different movements. According to Harvard study, Bergman Center study, about 60,000 updated blogs exist in Persian, in Farsi. And some of these blogs have become an instrument in the hands of civil society movement to organize themselves, to inform other people, and to publish photos or videos from demonstrations or other things. They don't have any access to TV, to radio, but, and, and to newspapers, and there's only instrument in their hands. And more politicians, day by day, are blogging, and the last one was uh, probably Ahmadinejad's advisor who started to blog. He himself blogs once per four or five months. But everything is not that big. I mean, on the other side, we have other bloggers and people who use internet to advocate their own ideology that has nothing to do with democracy or human rights or civil society values. And among them, you find, of course, anti-Semitic blogs. Here is this it's very great image. It looks like you know, Star Wars. It's, it's Bergman Center started to do this study. They started to use software and studied 60,000 of different blogs. And Bruce Ethnic and John Curry did that for Bergman Center. And you have the reformers and secular ones, and you have other side, the red ones and blue ones and yellow ones are conservative ones. Among them, you can find uh, anti-Semitic bloggers, but as I said, most of anti-Semitic bloggers are Islamists, but most Islamists are not anti-Semitic. And, of course, you can find among secular ones, other anti-Semitic ones, they are ultra-nationalists who reject at the same time Arabs, Islam, and Jewish population. Their roots, they are only a minority of them, of course. Their roots go back to World War II, there was a fascist party in Iran, and they just, you know, a souvenir of that old time, but they don't have Al-Homad is, is a conservative, uh, anti-Semitic blog, if we are going to talk about it. Each, each uh, dot shows the blog, and more, the, is, more, more it is bigger, it means more links are given to it. Okay, now let's go back, go to the heart of the topic. Iranian, we are going to look at how, what they are talking about, uh, how they represent Jewish population in these anti-Semitic blogs. And we will see it's not about really Israel and Palestinian conflict, or it is not about the Jewish minority in Iran. They feel that they have a kind of universal mission against kind of evil, and it goes beyond
nine time. There are three different rhetorics to justify their attitude and their ideology. One of them is Islamist anti-Semitism, and Iranian ones have it in common with the Arab one, because they use some verses and some hadiths. Hadiths is traditionally oral related to prophet deeds and actions and verses that come from Quran. But you can do exactly the same thing with Bible. You can go to some verses to justify your attitude. It's not the source that is problem, but people who are going after that are the problems. There are the Islamist anti-Semitism that they use that. I just give some examples I read it for you. It's, it's, it's repeated a lot among different blogs. They cite a single verse of the Quran. It's a surat, surat one, one section of Quran. My verse 83 that says, Jews and infidels are the worst enemies of Muslims. And you see in many of these blogs use this verse, the Jews, and then they conclude that, they, that learning about this absolute enemy is a duty for each of us. And there is another different stories coming from old tradition of Muslim thinkers to justify their attitude. One of these blogs called Yahud Shenaz, it means knowing the Jews, refers to the writing of 17th century influential cleric so-called Jewish hostility to the will of God and Muhammad the Prophet. This one is important because they refer to this story to say that Jews were enemies even before Muhammad the Prophet comes to, comes to power and becomes anointed by God. According to Majesty, Jews wanted to kill Abdullah, the Prophet's father, to prevent this birth, but they failed. But the blogger added that Jews are responsible for, sus for the suspicious death of Abdullah. It means that time's dimension is really, you know, it's everywhere. It's from, from before Islam, it starts, and it goes on at Prophet's time, and it continues to today, and it can go to the future. One of them says, once more, once warns Muslims that according to one hadith, no Jew doesn't want to be alone with a Muslim except to kill him. You can find very irrational things, but some of them have been written for centuries, and they just go to dig it up, and they just use that to justify their Islamist rhetoric or their ideology. The second part is Iranian anti-Semitism. I think it's the most innovative thing that Iranian anti-Semitism did so far. They tried to restudy Iranian history and to find and to stories that show the Jewish population have been enemies, not to Muslims alone, but to Iranian population too. And sometimes they go and they look for the stories into the Bible. One of the favorite stories is Esther's story. In the book of Esther, you know the Vizier of the Iranian Persian king wants to kill Jews, and Esther learned about it. She is the, the wife of the king. She talks about the story, and the king orders the murdering of. Haman, his, his vizier, his minister, and many others. In the Bible, we read that about 75,000 people were murdered, uh, who were considered the enemies of Jews. It's very interesting that many Islamists who say all the time that the Bible is not a reliable source for anything, they refer to this story to say a genocide happened against Iranians by Jewish population. There are, there, there are other ones that started to retrace the important Jewish prominent figures in Iranian history and they start to label them uh, as some 
One of them was is a Jewish physician and statesman in the 13th century uh, in, in Europe at the same time. At, at, the, at that time, Iran was under control of a leader, and this Jewish statesman was his advisor. And one of his uh, bloggers called him Al-Habib, who is very active in writing about his stories. Advised the king to attack, to invade Mecca, and turn Kaaba into idolatry center. Of course, they don't refer to any historical facts to justify their claims. But either they say it, it, it happened, or not happened, or it was planned, or it was said. But the point is that looking into the Iranian story. Revisioning it to justify their attitude is kind of a sacred rhetoric to uh, for anti-Semitism and uh, bringing anti-Semitic bloggers. Of course, they come into the current history too. They talk about bringing Jewish population sometimes, not many times. And they constantly they say some of them are involved in Hollywood and just. Some of them played in a trash movie and they gave a very negative image of Iranians altogether. The third one that is, I think, is less significant and you can find anywhere, we can call it casual anti-Semitism. They just imported Western revisionism and Western ideas and just translate that. It's denial of Holocaust, of course. And it's dehumanizing of uh, Jewish population by saying that they have always been greedy people or hypocrite and they kill fathers and they repeat all the same story that they can find, I think, in all literature. Last three years, if you look at about, I went through about 200 different anti-Semitic blogs, and among these 200 different anti-Semitic blogs, you find out about 90% of them were created and launched in the last three years. I mean, after Ahmadinejad uh, was elected as the reigning president, I think his rhetoric and his discourse really. Started to do in the last 18 months is started to create associations, what we call the word of associations. And all of these associations are not based on anti Semitism. I mean, only the reason of being is not anti Semitism, but it's one of the key elements that. of their ideology. It's one of them. It called, um, if, you, if you look at the link, it's, it's, it's Palestine NGO blog one. But if you look at, if you read the Persian one, it's called Association of Anti-Zionism Bloggers. And one thing that I really like here is it's the symbol. Their symbol is a very soft one, it's a butterfly. And the slogan says, we are butterflies that fight against Zionism. It's, and there is a group of people who came together and they have monthly monthly meeting and they say we discovered 70 other bloggers to 101 that think like us. But if you look at what they write, it's completely anti Semitism. And I think anti Semitism for them and anti Semitism are two different packaging with the same content. There's no difference for these people. And one of their founding members called 
strong resi resistance. And it's completely uh, pro liberalist Hezbollah association. It translates a lot of Hezbollah uh, news. And they wanted to learn in English version, but they haven't done it yet. And it, they cover Hezbollah news, but at the same time, they publish the uh, same stories about that the Holocaust was a fiction, the protocol of Zionism, or other stories. Alhomet and the previous one that I showed to you are very connected. They exchange links and they support each other. The third one is the oldest one. It's Muslim bloggers. It's the association of Muslim bloggers. It's the most open one between all of the three. It started about one year and a half ago. And the dreams are very young. But it's 21, 22 years ago, two, two years old. When they started the association, they say that about 1,000 people wanted to join them. But because they wanted to remain anonymous, 900 of them resigned. I mean, it's very interesting that the amount of people who support Islamic Republic and Islamic establishment, most of them prefer to block in an anonymous way. Maybe because there are a lot of power and forces within establishment that they prefer not to reveal their domain. The Muslim bloggers, first post is really, is really clear and, and, and talks about their ideology. It says, our first post is a cultural one. And we want to offer you a cultural story. And this cultural story is why Holocaust was they say we started the association of these Muslim bloggers to fight against secular bloggers, feminists, and student activists who want to conquer the land of virtual war. And I'm planning to launch now an English one, but I think it didn't work out. But they got some knowledge that I heard to develop their associations. One of the persons who is very close to this association and who talks to them, who delivers the speech, was the advisor, Mr. Mohammed Ali Rami, who was the main uh, actor who planned the Holocaust Conference and who, who is now a political so called advisor. One thing that maybe is funny, but it's very tragic at the same time, is that for these people, when they are not only Jewish population and Jews are enemies, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, enemies become Jewish too. And it depends on the relation. For example, a minority like the highest is a hundred times minority in Iran, they're under pressure. They call them that they are related to, to, to Jews. Freemasons are Jews. These two are you know, normal things. You can, you can hear them in other places. But the Bahá'ís, the founding fathers of Saudi Arabia, and Muhammad became Jews at that time too. They just say that they have studied and found out that one of Gaddafi's ancestors is the Lebanese Shia's leader, and he is a hidden Jew, according to many of them, and he, he just played the game uh, and revealed his identity. And recently I found out that one of the, the 
Rouge. He's considered an Islamist philosopher. They call him that he was the philosopher of the Islamic revolution. Finally, he took, he, he took his distance regarding the Islamic republic. And recently, I read a few posts that they find out one of his grandfathers or grandmothers was Jewish too, and they find out why he started to take his distance regarding the Iranian revolution, Islamic republic. Some say that Iranian Jewish population either handling to some strange hammering that look like Islamic Islamist ones. It's for the reason that they are hidden ones, they are among us, they don't want to be covered. One of the parts that many of them
Responsibility of Iranians based on this anti-Semitism. I think we should talk about it. I tell you about it. It's a project called Mid-Dispute, launched by a group from Bahrain, because of Israel Sharifi, 20-something. In this time, Iranians, Israelis, and Arabs contribute to society. And one, one issue that she, she, she emphasized on it is Baha'is blood right, minorities right. I asked her why, why you are still so obsessed with Baha'is right. She told me that there are Muslims who repress them, and it's our responsibility to talk about it and to raise our voice. I think it's our Iranian responsibility to what happened in Gaza during these three years that raise our
nobody was killed at that time. At the beginning of the revolution, a Jewish prisoner called Elvania was executed. He was the first non-official He was not a politician, he was not a military, he was a businessman. Social change in Africa is step by step. It's a very slow process because we don't have really put up political parties in opposition. There are some groups, circles, even reforms are not that organized if you want. And uh, if you if you see student movements or vegan movements, they are there, they are alive, but they cannot change. cannot find a nation that obliged to be but other nations and Hey. 
It's not at all relevant to your own case. Because if you see your first anti-Semitic was a specific minority, and this minority ensured that you get a lot of, I think, privileges, and that many people do have. And they don't look at it if you look, if you read different newspapers or websites precisely. No, but in universities, sometimes, as I said, you see that some academics or so-called professors talk about a common jury story that was invented to give Jewish population a positive image. It's not really, you know, it's systemic.
see on the streets. You in Iran that about destroying Israel. Yeah, I, I have a chance. Thank you. 